0: actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 338. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And today I have such an awesome interview for you. I'm really delighted to be speaking with Janine K. Brown, who is an author of the highly anticipated book, Unstuck and Unstoppable, Six Proven Strategies to Leverage Your Value, Increase Your Visibility, and Gain Recognition to Accelerate Your Career. I'm going to tell you more about her in just a moment, but she is such a boss with so much wisdom to share. Uh, And today's podcast is really effective for those who find themselves on the precipice of growth. So if you're thinking... I might be getting a little comfortable. I might be getting a little complacent. I'm curious about what's next for me. I have more ambition than I know what to do with. You're going to find today's conversation enlightening. But if you're also someone who just prides themselves on being a really effective tactician, the person who slays their to-do list every day, who feels like they've got this whole perfect perform and please thing down – I also want to challenge you to really listen to what Janine and I have to say today, because I think there is pride in mastering your role and staying within your comfort zone that can be really detrimental to long-term growth potential. And so it's actually an act of courage to challenge yourself to do more. Now, if you're coming to this podcast (laughs) exhausted or depleted, take take this day off. This might not be the right one for you. This is more of a, a motivational kick in the pants. So if you're finding yourself burnt out, depleted, exhausted, trying to still recover and just get your stuff together, go read my book. That's the book for you. But if you're beyond that or you've, you've been through the, you know, the ringer on that front already, I think you're going to find this conversation really enlightening in clarifying, okay, how do I figure out what's next? Because getting unstuck is difficult, Uh, but it is a path that is well-worn by many, many women who've come before you. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Janine. She's the managing director and founder of the national talent development and diversity consultancy firm Everyday Lead, which is headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. Janine's a thought leader and active advocate for advancing the number of women and black professionals into fulfilling careers and executive leadership roles. She's results oriented with a true passion for people, and she leads a team that works closely with clients delivering solutions to assist corporations increasing their retention, decreasing attrition, attracting new talent, and creating competitive advantages through the power of inclusion. She's led large teams with a successful career at Deloitte and in multiple other industries. And her solutions have helped clients expand their networks, leverage their skills to create value, increase compensation, and truly get results. With her clients reporting increased confidence, expanded influence, and clear and focused performance goals. Janine got her start getting her Bachelor of Science in Accounting from Alabama State University and her Master of Business Administration from Robinson College at Georgia State University. She completed her training as a professional coach at the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching. IPEC, and she's active in many professional associations and serves as a leader on many boards of directors. Whew, there's a lot to Janine, and I can't wait to hear what you all think about our conversation because I thoroughly enjoyed having it. Without further ado, let's welcome Janine K. Brown to the Boss Up Podcast. So glad to have you here, Janine.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be here with you today.
0: Yeah, I am excited to be chatting with you, especially as someone who knows so much about leadership and navigating the climb and helping others to do the same. I know lots of women in our community here at Boss Up are going to love hearing from you. So first, give us a little background. How did you find yourself uh, in this role as a speaker, author, productivity coach, and the the boss behind EverydayLead.com?
1: So I'm going to start off by saying, listen to what other people say about mm. you. And that's how I ended up finding myself. But it took me 10 years from the first time someone said something to me about this. So um, for the first 17 years of my career, mm-hmm. uh, and that includes some internships because I'm not that old, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I studied accounting finance when I was in college and I went into uh, straight into doing uh, consulting in that space and primarily in tax. And I did that. I loved what I was doing. Um, I worked both in state government and then uh, quickly went into public accounting. So I worked at Deloitte for many years and stayed in public accounting for about six and a half, almost seven years before I launched out on my own. So I was fully committed. I was a hiring manager, very young, moved up really quickly, but um, never thought about the natural abilities and talents I had to to help others excel and to be able to lead teams that were effective and high performing and also just insight that I think I got from my grandmother to end up doing coaching. Oh, yeah? What's the story there? My grandma, Everybody loved my grandmother, but she mm-hmm. had a, an ability that I think I inherited of being able to help people tap into their natural skills and talents and to soar. And it wasn't until like a couple of 360 reviews um, in the workplace and then recognizing a lot of people who I had worked with in the past or worked for me, you know, I'll put for me in air quotes, would still stick around, even after they were no longer on my team, no longer at the same company. They were managing their own teams. They were in large roles somewhere else. And they would call. I was like, hey, I got this issue on my team.
0: And the same thing (laughs) would happen
1: with my clients. Like, hey, can I talk to you about one of my employees? I'm like, "That's I don't do HR consulting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to help you guys do some state tax planning. And that's what I'm here for. And Like I said, listen to what people say.
0: And then before
1: I knew it, um, I was looking for something new to do, kind of wasn't enjoying the work I was doing before. And one of my mentors and other people was like, have you ever thought about being an executive coach? Mm. And I had never thought about it. However, when I was at Deloitte, I was brought in, someone asked me to come down to HR and that's what they asked me to do. Mm -hmm. And I said, no. (laughs) No. And I said, no. You resisted I, it. I did, but I resisted it because my mentors told me that was not the place to be. But mm. all my mentors were men. Mm-hmm. So they didn't respect HR. <laughs> they right. they specifically, like, Janine, this is where the deals are being made over here. This is where the business is. And we see you being a partner in our firm. And that's exactly the blessing that you want to have in my profession. Like, you want the leaders of your organization to say, We want you. We want you here. And this is the role that we see that's best suited for you, which is also best suited for them.
0: Right. Interesting. So when you're rising quickly, clearly making an impact, standing out, you're starting to get feedback on what the right next step is for you, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of my clients feel That happens to them as well, especially the high potential women leaders on the rise. You start getting other people who say, No, 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 don't go down that road. Come on this road. This road's much better. We want you here. How do you parse through the feedback you get? You know, listen to people, yes, but also listen to that vision you have for your career. How do you balance the two?
1: It's difficult. And I think it's difficult for us specifically because as women, and I'm Mm -hmm. gonna be very this is a, a gender bias. Mm-hmm. but I do see it often with my clients. Mm-hmm. We don't want to upset our mentors. Yeah. We don't want to disappoint them yes. because they they see this in us. Um, but I said we have to be clearly in tune with the direction that we want to see our careers go. Yeah. And I always tell people and tell women, think about your future. Right. Right, don't think about the future that other people are painting for you. What do you see for yourself in the future? Are you dreaming big enough for yourself? And I think if we see the dream in the end game for ourselves, even mm-hmm. if we say the end game 5 years from now. How do I get there? Then it's easier to resist or to say to your mentor that is a great place for me to be. But I like that and this. Right. Right. <laughs> right? right. Can I get both? How can I right. get it? Those things that you say are, are very valuable in this organization but also what's important to me.
0: It's interesting. I think so many of us who are recovering from an academic sort of mindset, which is there Mm -hmm. is a right answer out there. If I just work hard, study hard, listen carefully, ask the right questions, I will figure out the right answers to this puzzle. And that is not at all how careers work, right? That's not how life works. There's multiple right answers for multiple kinds of people. And so I, I remember writing in my book, I wrote uh, something along the line, sometimes to make yourself proud, you have to risk disappointing others you because do. there's lots of right ways to do this. There's lots of ways to win. So when you pivoted towards executive coaching, what did that look like for you?
1: So when I decided, I did it because I think a lot of it is because everything, every move i made, I got super educated about it. Right? So that was the same thing with executive coaching. However, I had been coaching people for years in their careers, but I decided I wanted to go back. I'll get trained um, and earn a certification in the space. And so that's kind of how I did it. And and at first I was like, ooh, I don't know if this is exactly what I should have done. But I embraced it. And I realized that this was almost like a higher calling for me because I moved up really quickly in my career, I was managing a team and had an assistant and client facing at 27. Wow. And I know a lot of women are doing that now, even younger than I did. But when I was coming up, you didn't see women. You definitely didn't see black women uh, doing, doing that sort of thing. And I was always, always, always the youngest in the room, the only woman in the room, um, and the only Black woman in the room. And, and let me add, the only woman from the Midwest <laughs> in the room, because I started my career in the South. So I think for me, it was like, OK, I can help women be explosive in their careers, increase their confidence, expand their networks, be more productive and get more work done faster and understand how to prioritize and exceed their potential. And that's really when I said, OK this is what I can do. And then who are my clients? Um, And I found that a lot of my clients are women um, and they are high performers. Um, Some of them are even stuck though. You can be a high performer and be a little stuck um, and they just need a plan to move forward.
0: Do you think that the kind of outlier that you were in work at such a young age is... First of all, it's not something we want to be so exceptional, right? We want to see many, (laughs) many more women, especially women of color, doing what you've done. Mm -hmm. But do you think that skill set can be taught? Or is it one of those things like your grandmother had it, you've got it, you were born with it, and you just attract that kind of response in people.
1: I think it's both, but I think it's how fast you move in it. So if you have a natural inclination mm-hmm. um, to be a great leader, to galvanize support from other people, to mm-hmm. lead others, you're going to do it better and faster, right? You're yeah. going to, and you're going to be naturally recognized for it, but you also might burn out too. But <laughs> <laughs> Don't
0: I know it. Yeah, right? don't I know
1: it. But I do That's- think it can be taught.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I I always hesitate to ask the question, even, but I think it's an important one because I think I hear from a lot of women who think, I'm just not a natural born leader. And therefore, this is the end point for my career or this is the end point for my ability to ascend here. And what I see in our, our leadership programs is there is a mindset shift when it comes to just doing your job well right? Mm-hmm. Performing, perfecting, and pleasing versus the kind of critical analysis of strategic thinking, outside the box thinking, putting forth bold ideas, you know, galvanizing, to borrow your term, which I love, galvanizing support from others, empowering others to lead that really it's a totally different skill set that we're not really often taught even in school. Right, And and wondering what are some of the most powerful lessons you've learned about shifting from being a good performer to being a leader that you well, want women to know?
1: Well, the first thing, you know, performance is not enough. Mm-hmm. Right? and if you if you still think that I'm going to do good work and I'm going to get recognized for it, I'm going to just say shame on you. You that's not enough because good work just gets you more work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you have to shift your mindset around that, and I think even as an individual contributor, you yeah. still have to have great leadership skills. And totally. so I think for if women, um, you pick those skills right. You look at the organization and see what is rewarded around here around leadership. Mm. Look in your and you don't have to do it like Bob does it. Right. Bring your own unique style, your own unique personality style, um, to those skill sets of what's being rewarded, right? Mm. So I tell clients like, I have a lot of clients like, oh, I just want to make sure I'm mentoring other people, and I love mentoring, but if mentoring is not being rewarded, right? Don't put all of, <laughs> don't put it in your bucket. Don't yeah. put so much of it in your bucket. Yeah. Um, if being helpful is not being rewarded. Don't be a helper. <laughs> yeah, you got to be strategic. Real. You ha- you know, because if you see that the people are being rewarded because they're vis- and they're using language like, oh, she or he is a visionary, visionary. They're innovative. Mm-hmm. They're strategic. They bring great ideas to the table. But they're not saying, oh, they were so helpful. They stayed late and they helped us get ready for this event tomorrow.
0: Right. Right. Yes, um, exactly. And
1: I read a study recently and I actually shared it with uh, one of my clients this morning is that men who help, who Mm -hmm. stay late to help with, and you may have heard this before. I know what you're talking about. Go for it. Who stay and are helpers and help out for, say, an event that's coming up or they've demonstrated some helpful skills, they will get 14% 14 higher rating in their performance. Mm -hmm. Women who do the same thing get 0%. Right. Right. So I think that's the thing. We have to move from we have to see what's being rewarded in our organizations, adapt those skills and those attributes right. um, so that we can be effective in the same language that yeah, used about us.
0: You know, at the at the risk of sounding cynical about it, we're saying to be strategic because you've got limited time and energy and attention, right? Like yeah. if all those things were limitless, if we had all the time in the world, of course we'd want to always be mentoring, always be helpful. Oh, yeah. But if your time and resources are limited and you're looking to rise in your career, we've got to direct that limited time, energy, and attention towards the actual traits and demonstrating the traits that we see get rewarded in the way that we want to get rewarded.
1: And if you're going to be helpful, if we use the word helpful, if (laughs) you're going to be helpful and say you volunteer to lead something or to take on an additional responsibility in your organization, you better leverage that mm-hmm. in a way that is strategic, right? Mm-hmm. You need to speak about it from the standpoint of what value that you create for the organization that aligns yeah. with what what's rewarded in your organization. So let's give a specific example. If you say, okay, I want to volunteer to be a part of our women's leadership mm-hmm. um, employee resource group. That is great. And I, and I want everybody to do that, but you have to recognize by doing that, you're going to, you should be building and developing some really strong leadership skills. Mm-hmm. And you add that into the conversation about the value that you're bringing to the company in the role and that volunteer role that you right. are not being asked to pay for. Cause if you don't, it'll be used against you. What do you mean by that? So you could end up working for someone who doesn't value this right. extracurricular activity that right. you're doing yes. and they feel as if you are spending time away from what they need you to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Like it's a liability. It is of an a asset. liability. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Totally. Cause we, I give you 45, 50 hours of, of work to do. And I'm sure that I'm like, are you using my time <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to, to, put this event together? So, mm-hmm. and I think that's the a mistake that a lot of us make is that we're not communicating that, Hey, by me volunteering and recruiting, by me volunteering in our diversity and equity inclusion initiatives these are the skills that I've developed. This is the value that I'm bringing. This is how it's helping me in this current role so that you're continuing to leverage it. And and people see it as a leadership attribute.
0: Yes. And importantly, this is how it's helping the company. The company,
1: exactly. (laughs) Right?
0: The bottom line. And if you're working at a place where the people you see being rewarded, the traits you see being rewarded are not people or traits that you value or you agree with, then we're not saying, right, to compromise your character. We're saying that's not
1: the right place for you. <laughs> that's ex- exactly right. That's not right? the right place. Yeah. yeah.
0: How do you counsel women of color in particular in navigating this? Because obviously we have a huge gender leadership gap across the board. Uh, but especially, this is especially true for women of color who are just not seeing equal rates of promotion, even at that first promotion level into management, uh, the numbers are abysmal. So when, when dealing with systemic issues, systemic racism, white supremacy, unconscious bias, microaggressions, what are women of color leaders to do in navigating that?
1: I think the first thing is you have to find an organization that kind of going back what you just said, Mm -hmm. that aligns with your core values. Mm -hmm. I think there are some people who are built to stay to create change. Mm. And then there's some of us who are just not. Um <laughs> yeah. if it's if it's going to negatively impact your well-being, girl, get out of there.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: That's the first thing I tell my clients. Yeah. If, if I am coaching women, who are dealing with all of those things that you listed related to a systemic issue in their organizations and they're coming to every call and they're crying and they feel deflated and they're, they're doing good work and not being recognized. Sometimes we have to have a real conversation Mm -hmm. because there's some amazing organizations out here that would love to have you. Right. So I think that's the first thing you are not stuck and doesn't mean you have to stay there. And what we find is what happens is they love what they are doing. Right. They're skilled at it. So I think that's the first thing I would it say. And it
0: is a shame that it's like I love what I'm doing, I'm good at what I'm doing, the culture here makes it impossible for me to sustain myself. That's that's a that's a business loss, but it's also just it's a shame that it's, you know, I have to leave this and it, it, the the sort of onus is on the person who is not being included to, to draw that boundary and say, yeah, yeah I'm going to go elsewhere. That's frustrating.
1: Yeah. And then I think the second thing is you have to find an aware leader internally in the organization mm. and bring to their attention the, the challenges that you're having, but also bringing to the, them the attention of what happens when people find out about this outside of mm. our organization, right? Mm-hmm. It, you know, Boeing fired 65 employees, those were the 65 that they reported for creating, you know, a bad work culture mm. and other organizations are doing are starting to do this now. And so I think, you know, although, you know, women of color have hurdles that they have to overcome, some unfortunately someone has to be the martyr. And I hate to use that term, mm. but someone who's willing to set, to fight the good fight. Mm -hmm. when I say, when I use the word martyr. Um, but I think the other part is we have to own our well being around how we're going to, to navigate our careers. And I, and I can give another example. Um, I have a client, same, similar situation. She works in technology organization, a company, almost so many people want to work for. Um, and it's not, some of it is company culture. Some of it is, you know, just leadership there. Some, Organizations and some people yeah. in the organizations have adapted just bad behavior, mm-hmm. but it's modeled throughout their career. So they do like what you said, they do what others have done and been rewarded for it. Right. And she had a sponsor in the organization who happens to be another woman. Um, and when she was told by her manager that she could not be promoted, that she was not going to support her, um, but she was going to be able to stay and keep doing what she's been doing. Her sponsor said no and promoted her and moved her into another organization.
0: <laughs> wow, within the company, within another. The, yeah, within the yeah. company.
1: Yeah. So you have to build relationships. Yeah, and that's all women.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so true. I think uh, it's interesting because I I hope that we've uh, gotten past the sort of. 1980s, uh, shoulder pair, shoulder, sort <laughs> I can't speak shoulder pad season of women in the workplace, seeing other women as competition. And I think in the last 10 years or so, we've really started to see that collaboration over competition, uh, benefits us all right. Shine theory, lifting as we climb, hopefully replacing that former competition. Uh, not that a little bit of you know, healthy competition is a bad thing. But I love the reminder that rarely does any leader kind of navigate that ascendancy on their own, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think your listeners, all the women in the Bossed Up community, I think they have that message. And I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. (laughs) But we still have a lot of women, you know, in the sisterhood who right. have a mentality of a survival of the fittest. Yeah. Um, they are, you know, self-preservation. Uh, there's not enough room for all of us. So I need to preserve my space. And, but I don't think we can get to the place where we see more women in leadership if mm-hmm. women are not supporting one another actively, totally. openly and vocally in the workplace. Yes.
0: Well said, well said amplify that message right there
1: Exactly,
0: (laughs) I love it so what would you say to the woman who is down for leadership in theory she's like yeah I think I have what it takes to be a leader but her comfort zone is continuing to excel and doing what she does well and so maybe your comments around like doing good work right performance is not enough Mm -hmm. can strike her as pretty shocking and and what do you mean I thought if I just work hard I'll get ahead What does that that next step look like, right? What is getting past the comfort zone of perfecting, performing, and pleasing to actually shake things up and be more innovative, be more visionary? What does that process look like? Because I've worked with so many women who don't know what we don't know, right? We're not sure what it looks like to do something different because we've been so conditioned to perfect, perform, and please,
1: yeah. I th- You know, I always think something, it seems very elementary, but if you're starting to have these thoughts and you know, okay, this is probably maybe um, eight to 12 months out before I make a move, I think it's important to socialize it. One well, socialize what your goals are, mm. socialize the vision of, you know, how you want to contribute to the organization in a, in a different way mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. creates more valuable and more visibility for yourself. Um, and you can socialize that by just talking to people in your organization and mm. asking them, like, how did you transition out of the tactical work into things that are a little bit more operational, a little bit more strategic, you know, how did you eventually get to a place where, you know, when you looked at your your work cycle breakdown, that mm. there was less tactical things on there? Did you become more comfortable with the the less tactical um, at parts of your your particular role? So I, mm. I think that's one of the the ways to make that happen. Um, yeah, and and yeah. don't and don't be scared. Because you don't want to say, eventually you won't want to stay there because it's going to definitely be impacted in your compensation. Um, And and title, I think, is important. But then how you grow, right? The skills that you build. So I think it's really important to move. You got to move forward.
0: I want to talk about tactical for a second because that's such an interesting word. And I know for a lot of the women emerging leaders who I work with, They hear getting out of tactical work and think, well, I'm a workhorse. Those people are show horses. Why would they get out of tactical work? Isn't that the value that I'm actually creating for the company is running the events or managing the clients or doing the accounting and bookkeeping? You know, when you've been taught to be a tactical tactician, for lack of a better word, right? It seems like doing something more strategic or managing others or being a leader of people, projects, and ideas seems so wishy-washy, doesn't it? It just seems so amorphous. And I think some of my tactical focused clients, the to-do list slayers, Mm. are like, (laughs) they're like, why would I want to do anything else? This is the right work to be doing. Everyone else is just a waste of time. (laughs) You know what I mean? Everyone else is lazy or they're not contributing or they're doing big picture thinking, whatever the hell that means. And mm-hmm. it's an interesting resistance to management, a resistance to strategic thinking, a resistance to leadership that I don't think is, is is intentional, but it's present for some of my clients. I wonder if you've ever come across that.
1: Yeah, I have. And I think one of the challenges, what you just said was was. Spot on. Um, t- I love that the, the t- to-do list layers. Yeah, I love that because it's a comfortable thing. It's something that yeah. I can actually visually see that I've done these ten tasks today, right? And I've right. done them error free. Um, and they're the same ten tasks that I do every Monday, right? Um, and I'm knocking it out the box. But organizations and com- companies are moving so fast. They're changing. Um, more companies are coming online. They're expanding. And they're looking for people who can make sure that they stick around, right? Think about companies that were around, you know, 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago that no longer exist. And they no longer exist because they kept doing the same things the same way year after year. And they failed to grow and expand and adopt new technologies and innovation. Mm -hmm. So if you think about that, if that's the case with the business, that's almost similar to the case with your role, no matter what industry you're in. And even if you're not in corporate or in business, it's the same mm. thing if you work um, at the Amazon distribution center. Right. The way they are packaging boxes today is not the way they're going to be doing in five years from now. And they need people to say, hey, how can we be more efficient? How can we service our clients better? Um, How can we satisfy even our internal stakeholders? And so that's where that comes in. Everybody has tactical work to do. Right, right. But you have to get to a place where you are informing what that tactical work is will mm-hmm. be will be. Mm-hmm. And so I always tell my clients that, right? You want to grow. And it's a great way to just grow yeah. personally. Um and the benefits of doing that at work, you'll see those at home too. You'll be totally. delegating everybody at wo- at home like <laughs> Yeah, you know, so in your personal life, Make your it's
0: own SOP, your standard exactly, operating procedure exactly. of the household. <laughs> I'm on the precipice of having my first child this fall. My husband and I joke about this because we both are in management roles relatively recently for the first time. And we've definitely taken a management approach to our household mm. uh, division of labor lately. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I think of the... Way you describe that as going from to-do list slayer, someone who prides himself on getting all the things done and getting them done right, mm-hmm. to to-do list creator. Yeah. What should be on the to-do? Exactly. What should be the way we do things? How can we optimize? How can we improve? And that, you know, what's funny and I can share from personal experiences, I went from doing all the work in my business to hiring people, to managing people, to delegating more, to being more of a, a manager and leader myself, it feels like you're a novice all over again. Yeah. It's a totally humbling experience. But to be willing to grow, and I think on this like long-term path to mastering whatever craft you're in, you know, it's not just being the tactician. It's getting to the level where you've learn the rules of the game. So now you can teach other people the rules of the game and you can change the rules of the game. You can
1: improve the rules of the game. And, you know, there are a lot of, yes, you're 100% correct. And and I will always say everybody's not designed to lead large teams. Right. Everybody's not going to want to do that or even want to develop the skills. But even as an individual contributor, and I always want to go back to that, As an individual contributor, you are still expected to be a leader in your Mm -hmm. organization and also move and be more innovative and be strategic in your thinking, how you see the industry and the profession and what direction is it going in? And how does that inform not only your responsibility, but what you hear when you listen to your CEO? Uh, yeah. You know, share their vision. You should be able to take that high level vision and say, "Well, how does it apply to my cubicle here on the third floor?" Yes, totally.
0: And I guarantee you, even if it's nowhere in your job description, if you come to work with ideas oh. of how things can be done better and how what you're reading in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or what you heard. Uh, in your CEO's latest interview should apply to your day-to-day work unless you're working for a micromanager who's never going to help you succeed. (laughs) Exactly. Your boss is going to appreciate that, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Your boss and other people that you have relationships with in your organization because even if you do work with a micromanager,
0: Mm. they're not
1: the only person that can see your value and promote you.
0: Well, just like you illustrated in that story about your, oh, your One of my clients. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a great point. Yeah. Last question for you. Okay. What do you think smart companies are doing today to retain and develop top talent, specifically women talent, because I work with a lot of women in male-dominated industries? What are companies doing when it comes to retaining and developing those women and, and folks of color?
1: I think the first thing that they're doing, and I want to talk about just women before we get into sure. you know uh, the intersectionality of, of the women, is um, I think they're being more serious and more thoughtful about designing programs that support women as their lives change mm. um, so that they can stay in the workplace. And if there was never a better thing to happen to women <laughs> right. than covid Right. I know it was tough for women to be home and to manage kids and training if they had them. And I know it was difficult if you were single and you lived alone and you felt isolated. But I think what COVID has done is for companies to say, you know what, we could actually be more profitable if we allow people to work in an environment that works best for them. And Mm. so I think there's going to be policies that come out to support women. Um, so I think that's the first thing. And if companies are not doing that, so if you're in HR now and you're listening or you're an executive <laughs> in your organization, the policies are the the number one thing to keep top women in your organization. Because if I have to go across the street to our competitor in order to be able to still manage my family and work, mm-hmm. if that's my choice, then that's what you're going to end up losing top talent. Totally. I think the second thing is that they have to be really clear and and um, address the biases that happen to women in the workplace, right? We're not making this up. We're not mm-hmm. emotional. These are our real experiences. Whenever Ted over-talks me, interrupts me, or steals my idea, yes. I have some proof points, some data, yes. <laughs> some data points <laughs> to say that this is real and other people observe it. And we need people to speak up mm-hmm. um, and create workplaces that are psychologically safe for women and others and women of color uh, to exceed. And then I think the third thing is, if every woman could get an executive coach, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a coach, I'm saying it because <laughs> I wish I had a coach yeah. when I was still working in, in corporate and when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, moving up so fast because it things happen so quickly. Yeah. And you have so many voices in your head. You have your parents, you have your friends, you have your mentors and your managers. And sometimes we don't even get to an opportunity to sit back and process what we really want, what we see for ourselves. And that's what the coach will allow you to do. Having this executive coach that you can bounce all these ideas off of, they can help you frame them, think through them. Um, I think that those, those are mm. three things. I know people probably thought I was going to say something else, but I think those are, those are game changers are for great. women.
0: Absolutely. Game changers.
1: So, you know, the investment, that part, that self-investment in yes. your development um, and getting in programs like Bossed Up and Level Up and all the things that you offer, yeah. um, I think are perfect. Make that investment.
0: Yeah, and to the employers listening, make that investment on behalf of your, that <laughs> your women, right? That like too. you know, we're really seeing a lot of interest from the companies that we work with, yeah, to do more, like you're saying, and yeah. it's such a strategic, long-term business move because mm-hmm. talent does, you know, talent doesn't leave for nothing. No, nope. you know, they leave. We leave for something. Yeah. So if we can figure what that, you know, figure out what that is, and and Uh, retain the talent you've invested in, that's a financially incentivized (laughs) strategic move in addition to being the right moral thing to do.
1: Exactly, exactly,
0: yeah. Wow, well, Janine, obviously I could talk with you all day, (laughs) but I got to let you go. You have so much that you've shared with us here today, and I know there are so many other wonderful places to keep up with you, including your forthcoming book and your podcast. Tell my listeners where we can... Learn more from you.
1: Please stay in touch with me. Um, you can reach me on all social media platforms except TikTok. I'm gonna get on TikTok. I was on there. I have all these clients in the technology space. And yeah, they were like, I was on TikTok and I was like, you need to get that off your phone and all of these things. So anyway, I digress. So you can you can connect with me at Janine K. Brown on all social media platforms. Um, you can also connect with me on our website and sign up to get information about the upcoming book that will be out this summer. I would love to, to share that with your audience and have them involved in some of our events and webinars that we'll be doing to support the content. And that website is everyday-lead.com.
0: Beautiful. And we will put that in today's episode's show notes, uh, Can you tell me a little bit about Before
1: 30, the podcast? Oh, I forgot. Thank you so much (laughs) for mentioning that. So in addition to being the founder and managing director of Everyday Lead, I am also a co-host on a podcast called Before 30. And in that podcast, um, it is me and my co-host, Nephew Trey, and I am Auntie Janine. And we are (laughs) talking about all things life, um, career, money, entrepreneurship, travel uh, for the Before 30 adults.
0: Awesome. I love that so much. Links will be in today's show notes. Janine, thank you so much. I hope this is not the last time
1: we talk because this has been such a pleasure. I look forward to talking with you again and um, being in front of your audience and uh, sharing more. Um, I I love women who are in leadership um, and I am definitely an ally, a supporter and a cheerleader. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move of the Week. Today, I'm celebrating Christy in Dallas, who is a current member of our Level Up Leadership Accelerator. She's making all kinds of boss moves lately. She started the program after being let go from her education technology position of 19 years. Now, she was determined to sharpen her management and leadership skills as she continued her job search after being a people manager for many years but never quite feeling like she had the formal training she needed uh, to take her leadership to the next level. That's really why she joined us at Level Up. Now, just three months into the six-month program – Christy finds herself in a totally different environment. She's been hired on specifically as a change leader. So a leader who's been hired to really transform her new department at a totally new ed tech company. There, she's been able to implement everything she's been learning with us at Level Up in real time, starting with creating a new strategic plan for the departments and direct reports that she oversees. So talk about being a visionary leader like we talked about with Janine today. Christy is a boss on the move, making change and transforming her new company already. So congrats to you, Christy, on this major achievement and on the impact you're already having. It's so delightful to work alongside you in the Level Up program. If you or someone you know is looking to sharpen their leadership or management skills and maybe doesn't want to go get an MBA, Boss Level Up Leadership Accelerator is the right program for you. You can learn more about it at bossuporg slash level up or just chat with me or Kirby on our sales and marketing team anytime to get feedback on your particular goals, your particular career path thus far, and whether or not level up would help you get to that next step. And now I want to hear from you. If you've got a boss move that you want to share to celebrate your success or a career conundrum you want me to break down with an expert guest in an upcoming podcast, we are lining up a ton of podcast interviews right now so that you will have plenty to listen to when I am eventually out of office. Uh, around the arrival of my first little one this fall. So keep those career conundrums coming by calling them into the Boss Up Podcast hotline at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. That's 910-668-BOSS or 2677. You can also send a voice memo to info at If you found my conversation with Janine today helpful, share it online, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, wherever you know the women in your world need to hear her message. She dropped so many gems here. Uh, today. I hope you take the time to really amplify Janine's voice by amplifying who's listening to this podcast. I so appreciate you. Let's get out there and keep Boston in pursuit of our purpose. And together, let's lift as we climb.